0: Here's Neymar now, Cabani is there. Banatelli
1: on the turn. Quality. Kalupa Kavanaugh. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Thomas. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up.
2: Bonjour, hello, bienvenue. Welcome to the Beau podcast, episode three of our podcast dedicated to France's top flight. My name is Matt Spiro and joining me in the pod today I've got uh, Robbie Thompson. Hello everyone. Robbie who is uh, our Australian uh, Paris Saint-Germain specialist one of the commentators uh, uh, of Liga in English and another Liga commentator in English joining me today is Andy Scott. Andy, hello. Hello Matt. The big debut. Yes. Big debut for Thank Andy you. just to let you know. Andy is uh, probably the best thing to happen to Liga out of Scotland since Mo Johnston. Uh, played for Nantes back in, in the eighties. Would I was you go with that, Derek McKinnis. Derek McInnes? Toulouse. Toulouse. I thought you were going to go with with John Collins, but uh, Derek McInnes know. is a is a good shout. Yes. Andy was at the Parc des Princes last night. That is surely the place to start because we had the classic. We had the uh, the second classic of the season, Paris Saint Germain. Uh, were victorious. It was a big night for PSG against Marseille because it was their first game at the park since they lost to Manchester United in the Champions League. There was all sorts of talk about uh, a supporter strike, and we saw the the ultras behind the goal who uh, basically stayed out of their seats for the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. didn't didn't cheer uh, the PSG players because they're so fed up with uh, with the way that PSG went out against United and the fact that this is. Uh, you know, becoming a bit of a repetitive story. PSG bowing out of the Champions League uh, prematurely. Marseille arrived in good form. 16 points from a possible 18. Mario Balotelli, a lot of talk about whether he'd play or not. He didn't travel with uh, with the team because of uh, a reported stomach problem. But he arrived on the Sunday. And Andy, what we saw was it, it was a slightly unusual game, wasn't it? Partly because the atmosphere at the beginning was was all a bit... Well, much quieter than it, than it usually is for this affair.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously it was, from that point of view, it was good that things picked up after 15 minutes, pretty spectacularly as well. Um, I, I would say that it's probably the, the most striking atmosphere and, and most striking fixture between PSG and Marseille that I've seen at the Parc des Princes since the last time Marseille beat them, which was in 2010, when things were quite nasty among the PSG support. And, and, and mm-hmm. if you remember that game, I think Marseille won 3-0. Yes. on the way to winning the ben title half, uh, yeah and, and it was it was after that game that the psg effectively um for what of a better word declared war on their ultras and and tried to sort of clean up the part they prance and change the atmosphere but obviously they've since brought the ultras back who've 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 added to the atmosphere in the stadium again and nevertheless it, it has generated a bit of tension in the last 10 days because of their exit from the champions league but with 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 that tied into the fact that the game itself was quite a a fiery spectacle at times not necessarily a brilliant
2: game but there were lots of flashpoints lots of moments of real quality and ju- and just Andy for the listeners who are waiting with 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 bated breath it finished 3-1 to yeah. to to Paris yeah, Saint-Germain we, we haven't Let's we haven't not mentioned forget the the, score. the whole reason why we're here which <laughs> is uh, to <the>
0: win <laughs> football matches boys yeah.
2: pa- Paris Saint-Germain who uh, were 17 points clear at the at the top of the standings they're now they're now 20 points clear. It was a big game for Marseille as well because they're trying to, to make up for all the lost points uh, earlier in the season that they were in good form and they're trying to finish in the top three. But, uh, Robbie, PSG too good again for Marseille.
0: Too good on the night. But for me, the, the most important thing to take from the match was just the, the drama of it all. Like we are saying, Balotelli, will he play, will he not play? Is it just all a bit of shenanigans? Kylian Mbappe apparently getting injured during the warm-up and leaving, not do, finishing the warm-up with his teammates. Is that a little bit of sh- payback to, to Marseille, thinking Marseille are trying to get one over as well? Maybe Killian's just injured himself. He's not going to play. And then he walks out in the in the starting 11. The fans are on strike. It's Paris Saint-Germain doubting the whole, all of France, eyes on them, thinking they're not going to win this. They're not going to win this. this. Is This is the it's moment. It's good, though, isn't it? It's brilliant. That's what we want. Marseille, mm. five wins and a draw in their last six. This Marseille, who the the biggest city in the south playing the rich boys from the north. I mean, it was everything. The biggest football club in France, no, Robbie, Marseille? Well, it, it, historically, <laughs> I think Saint-Étienne might have a word to say about that. Nantes, Reims, perhaps even as well. No, look, it it had all the ingredients for a great story. It had a sending off. It had a fantastic individual performance. It, ha, it had a fight. It had, you know, everything you want from Le Classique. It was like the good old days, even a bit of, fan, you know, Fan problems in the in the stands, not, not against each other or against opposition fans, but you know it was dramatic. It was tension. There was tension in the air. There was the tension air, everywhere. You know? Exactly, and I remember the the match when Fabrice Fiores and Frédéric Dehu came back to the Parc des Princes, and that tension in the air and this this because feeling they were that the volatile who, who who'd who'd signed for Marseille signed for Marseille and and really hurt Paris as well because they were like fan favourites at the time and and had been. Fiores had scored last minute. Winners against Marseille, Frederick Deu was the captain of the side, and they both went and signed for for Marseille at the same time and and the fans were it, they were in shock, and the tension that night was just unbelievable in the park and uh, last night, well, it wasn't the same, but it was a great dramatic evening, and that's and don't forget this is the biggest match on the league on calendar. You can have regional things. This is the one that the whole country watches. This is and the think, one that tops the
2: TV ratings every... I think ad- it's important, Robbie, to, to hammer that home because people outside of France, I find, don't quite realise how big Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille are. People, exactly. people think that PSG are a bit of a nouveau riche club. They've certainly entered a new era in the last eight years. But even you know, in the 90s, in the noughties, in the, in the noughties when Lyon were winning the league every year, Jean-Michel Olas got fed up because everybody talked about PSG who were sort of 12th or yeah. 13th in the league and the papers were full of PSG. PSG and Marseille are the two clubs that, are, that, that attract the most media interest and they have the most supporters, I would say, I would say nationwide. And just, you mentioned a, a, an exceptional standout performance. That was Ankel Di Maria. But we will talk about Di Maria, who was sensational. But I just want to talk, Andy, about another player because what last night had, it had a pantomime villain. And uh, that, of course, was Mario. Was he going to come? Was he not going to come? He started. He looked absolutely fine. I don't know uh, how serious his his stomach problems were, and uh, he he just seemed to be loving the fact that the Parc des Prince was in, was was singing uh, as one, insulting him, and uh, you know it it was all good-hearted stuff. And I think Mario likes that. He got substituted when he, he's when the, the ga- player the fans love to hate. But you get the feeling. He loves to be hated as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's his bread and butter. And when he got taken off, he he walked off very slowly, banging his Marseille badge and uh, pointing at the badge at, with the with the, with the supporters. We we heard after which the which is a little
0: <laughs> bit ridiculous as well because they were losing uh, and they <laughs> lost the match. And he's saying, "Well, this is Marseille yeah, here, Robbie, oh,
2: well. It's nice. It, it's nice <laughs> to see." And uh, after the game, reports emerged that under his shirt he was wearing a, a Marcus Rashford shirt or some kind of tribute to Marcus Rashford the United player who scored the uh, the decisive penalty. The idea being that if he scored at the Parc des Princes, he would have taken that, that shirt off. We were hoping he was going to go with Dave Crossan's suggestion uh, for a celebration <laughs> last week. If you, if you missed that, go back to, to episode two. But Andy, mm. Mario, he's doing, he's doing an awful lot of good to Marseille and I think it's yeah. fair to say to Ligue 1 in general.
1: Yeah, completely. Just, just as an aside, um, on Saturday, I had a day off football completely was meant to Andy. be in London, actually, but, but you know, transport problems put paid to that. But I had a day off football, and just on Saturday night, I checked my uh, my phone for any updates, and I saw that Balatelli had not travelled with the squad, and um, my heart kind of sank, you know? I just thought, well, this is such a shame. If, if he doesn't play in this game, it's just going to really, it's not going to be the same spectacle. And then I think we, we, we started to realise over the course of the day on Sunday that he probably was going to play and, and it was a relief when, mm-hmm. when we saw him in, in the, on, on the team sheet from Marseille. He didn't have a great game by any means, but, but he could have, all the all same. it could have
0: changed with that shot in, so in the first five minutes yeah, where and, he had a good effort on goal. I,
1: I, w- I would say completely, yeah. And I would say that, you know, from all the, the times that I've seen games at the Parc des Prince this season, whether just being in the stadium or whether commentating on them, whatever, I think that along with this season, along with Romelu Lukaku, he is the most impressive centre forward I've seen play against PSG at the Parc des Princes this season. Now, PSG are you know, usually unplayable at home. Teams tend not to be able to compete with them. Balotelli clearly, clearly even not playing at
2: his best, is a player who is good enough to cause real problems I for the likes agree because of Marquinhos. He, you, you can see that when you're in the stadium. He's got that presence. Yeah, exactly. but and, but is it uh, just and mental? Is it just well, his, his, his mental is, strength? This is what I was going to say because we talked about PSG's mental fragility. Um, and I'll tell you what, Thiago Silva... Marquinhos, Kimpembe, like you say Andy 99% of the time they are just monsters and nobody can live with them in Liga. but last night there were some jittery moments when Balotelli was, was loitering I saw Marquinhos put a foot wrong more than once and, and, and you, just, you just wonder is you know we're going back to the, uh, the shortcomings in the Champions League because in the Champions League you play against guys of this stature
1: mm-hmm.
2: but Robbie we're, we're, we're going to move on to, to Angel because Angel Di Maria last night was absolutely sensational. And I'll tell you what, he has been for, for if not the whole season, certainly the last few months. I commentated the PSG game at Dijon and his free kick was just sensational. Just perfectly arced over the wall, in off the post. He did it again from even further out last night, a free kick. He just kissed the post on its way in. It's just unbelievable accuracy. And what he is doing with the football at the moment, Robbie, is just is just Sensation. I am
0: an unashamed disciple from the, the church of Di Maria. I love him. I think he's just a player that can make the difference. Even when people criticise him at the start of every season, saying, look, he's, 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 his attitude isn't right. He doesn't try. Just get him to leave Paris. We, ne- we need players that will fight. The, the player can do things that, that you rarely see on a football pitch. His control from Colin Dagba's pass, no look outside of the left boot or with his heel, cushion control, while facing, looking over his right shoulder, if you, if you get the chance to see Kylian Mbappe's goal, the opening goal last night, look at the control from Di Maria because it, it's a thing of pure beauty, and players can't do that. Normal players, normal human beings cannot do what Di Maria can do with a football, and he shows it again and again in his defence when people criticise him at the start of every season, which they invariably do. The guy has barely had a holiday over a summer for six seasons, every time he's at the World Cup, Argentina got knocked out a bit earlier this time, but they've made World Cup finals, they've made Copa America finals, they lose them all, every time. It's devastating for a player, this, he even missed the World Cup final through injury, having been the hero yeah, I, for I Argentina? Think, I, I think
2: I made a mistake throwing that question to the founder of the Angel <laughs> Di Maria fan club, Andy, Andy, before the pod said... Well, it's great that he's coming into form at the at the right moment. I haven't spoken about his goals yet. Which is which is a slightly just look at the control. Which is a slightly (laughs) ironic uh, comment. Well, I did. I talked about his free kick, but uh, yeah, the the his first goal was stunning. Can I can I just say?
1: Yeah, I was being you know a bit cruel there, saying that he's coming into form just at the right time when, of course, they've they've only just been knocked out of the Champions League, but let's not forget that okay PSG were very disappointing in the second leg against Manchester United and so was he but in the first leg he was very good he played very well and he sensational you know he's I mean you touched on it when he missed the World Cup final a few years ago he's quite a physically fragile looking guy but he's got something about him I mean, that challenge at Old Trafford when he went crashing into the Mm. you know off the pitch and into the into the fence beside the pitch and, and yet he picked himself up and got on with it and last night he was you know, I mean, people will say, "Oh, yeah," but you know, PSG going to run away with the title again. Marseille are not that good, but you know, Di Maria—that was genuinely world class. The way that he led the counter attack for the first goal, and the way that he scored the second
2: goal and the third goal was just and incredible. Just to, just to finish on, <laughs> just yep. to finish on PSG, Robbie, because we can't talk <laughs> about Anne for 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 forty five minutes. But I'm gonna throw this one to you. It was three one to PSG. Steph Mondonda had been sent off. We were in added time and. It's a penalty to Paris Saint-Germain. And Mr Mbappé, instead of saying, Angel, have a hat-trick. Here you go. You can take this penalty. Killian stepped up and he got it saved. Was there a bit of tension maybe in the dressing room after that? Absolutely not. These things, Angel Di Maria is also
0: a a perfect professional. There's no doubt whatsoever. He's a a kid on the training ground, but he's a professional in matches. Look, Killian Mbappé, he's the goal scorer. It will be decided before the match who takes the penalties like it was when, a, when there was all this penalty gate between Neymar and, and Edinson Cavani, there is a designated penalty taker. It's Kylian Mbappé. He scored his last one. He now has a 50% penalty record in Ligue 1 throughout his career. It wasn't a great penalty, but he is the penalty taker for that match. Perhaps it will change for the next time. There's no, there's no romance in, in football at this level, guys. There's not, wouldn't it be great if he can score a hat-trick his first here at the Parc des Princes in a big match? Kylian Mbappé is trying to finish, trying to probably to break all the records for goal scoring. He's got 26 now in in Ligue 1. He's he's having an incredible season. He's won the World
2: Cup. Why wouldn't he take the penalty? Indeed. Listeners, if you have anything to say about that or if you want to ask us anything, any questions uh, about Ligue 1, you can email us at uh, league1podcast at gmail.com. That is L-I-G-U-E. One, the number podcast at gmail.com, or you could even uh, tweet us with the hashtag League One Podcast. Uh, you can tweet the account at League One underscore ENG. We're going to move on now. We're going to talk uh, about Monaco, French champions two seasons ago, relegation candidates this season. They started the campaign, of Not course, anymore. under Leonardo Jardim. <laughs> he was sacked. here. Henry came in. He was sacked, Jardim has come back, and he has steadied the ship. Robbie, you say they're not relegation uh, contenders anymore. They could go down still, but uh, it is looking highly unlikely. They're still unbeaten in the league under Leonardo Jardim. And uh, Andy, they were victorious on Friday night against the second-placed team. They won 1-0 away to Lille. A really good goal at the end, scored by Vinicius, one of these uh, very talented young players. Uh, finding their feet at uh, at, uh, at Monaco, Andy. What do you make of Monaco? And uh, uh, does Jardim deserve the credit for for coming in and turning things round again?
1: I mean, completely. That's kind of obvious, really, when you look at the way the results have just completely turned around since since he came back in. They're they're not going to go down. I guess that was the 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 ultimately the reason why they brought him back when they, they had did. To do
0: whatever they could to avoid relegation. Exactly, and and
1: a- you know now they they look like they will finish somewhere comfortably mid-table and then they can build again for next season. And of course, this Carlos Vinicius is a player who, who, by all accounts, Leonardo Jardim, when he did have nothing to do for a few months, when he was on that paid holiday, was taking in some games in Portugal and, and sort of this player caught his eye and now they brought him in and, and there he is doing a turn for a team who, who have been needing a, a centre forward who can provide the goals when Falcao is not scoring or in, in the case of Friday is not playing. And to go away to Lille and win is... is a remarkable result i mean Lille have been incredible at home for a year now so to go there and win a game especially with monaco don't necessarily need to be winning games
2: now you know the in a way the pressure is kind of off them well just that they're, they're, they're still 16th they've got yeah. 30 points and they're 8 points above Gangon who are 18th so yeah
1: i'm i'm not i mean of course yeah they're not they're not safe yet but at the same time they could have looked at the fixtures to come and said well this is you know one of our hardest games we've not we've got coming up and if we don't win this game it doesn't matter too much but they've gone there yeah. they've snatched three points kind of the way that monaco used to do things in jardim's first season you know they weren't a
2: particularly uh, thrilling team to win. watch but they yeah.
1: grind out results and they've done it again
2: and andy, here they just, are, andy you say uh, or robbie it might have been you said well monaco they they've done what they had to do to stay up but monaco they sacked leonardo jardim earlier this season they went and got a club legend and said right thierry henry this is where you're going to build your managerial career i just, and Vadim no, Vassiliev has been
0: just, fired since then as well for his role in perhaps uh, reacting too quickly. Vadim Vasiliev, exactly. The, the uh, vice president,
2: sporting director. Vice president. But Robbie, I, I look at this Monaco team at the moment. This is not the team Thierry Henry had. Thierry Henry had a team of kids. They had, I think, up to 17 players injured at, at one point, including leading players, Ronnie Lopez, Radamel Falcao. He, he very rarely had... Um, had senior players. We had Camo Glicker and Jemison who were often playing and they were dreadful for, for, for some reason at the back. They are established players and the kids looked lost. We look at this, they brought in Cesc Fabregas, one of the best midfielders in European football. Okay, perhaps uh, not quite a, a, at the peak of his powers, but what a player to, mm. to, to bring in. They've got uh, Gelson Martins, who's come in on loan from Atletico Madrid and looks absolutely looks a handy player, doesn't he? Absolutely and tremendous. Maybe,
1: maybe, by the way, Atletico Madrid could have done with him the other day. The way that Gelson Martins is playing is the kind of player they're missing.
2: Absolutely, mm. absolutely. But, you know, they've brought in seven or eight very good footballers. They've got, they've got the but likes that, of Ronnie but, Lopez back from injury. I mean, I honestly think I could come in, take over <laughs> this team, which is a totally different team to the one that Omri had, and get better results.
0: Well, that's very humble of you, Matt. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to see, perhaps start with a, a, a regional amateur side first before, before taking over Monaco. Um, look, yes, let, can I rewind a little bit further to the start of the season then before getting to Thierry? All these people criticising the Monaco transfer system and the way they, they operate and saying, look, they've, they've bought all these players, it's so risky, what a disaster it's been, this was bound to happen. This is the system that won them the league. It was the most remarkable thing that earned them massive amounts of money. You can't have your cake and eat it too if, you, if you're not prepared to take these risks and, and have, have the positives of it and then the risk of the negatives. Look, they bought some sensational young players, perhaps too many at one time. Perhaps they did overdo it. Perhaps things just didn't gel, the change of coaches and everything. But they have some quality young players that they bought last summer who will be Sofiane Diop. Looks a, a very, very promising player and will probably go for millions and millions. He's in come the through future. The, uh, the academy? So no, I think the they bought him from Rennes. They bought, the him. Oh, the they bought him, from from and, right. and, and, you know, one of these players that they spend a lot of money on. They've bought the, the, the youngster from Leon as well, who injured his knee, whose name eludes me Goebbels. at the
2: moment. Goebbels, yes. Do you I mean, think, Andy, sorry, I've I just cut you off in your prime, but I Andy, haven't got to Thierry Henry yet, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think, Andy, looking back, um, at what Monaco did two years ago. Sensational. Champions League yeah. semi-finalists, uh, league Fantastic. champions. Do they look back and think we made mistakes selling six or... Sp- but that's I think the- it was six first team... But they won the league the year after, having sold half their team as well. The like the Hammers, Rodriguez...
1: All these players. Well, that, it, that it, left. Took them, it took them two years, really, didn't it, to yeah. to 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 go from the, the 2015 team, the promoted team under any Well, the promoted team, even. and then 2015, a the team that got to the Champions League quarterfinals, that was a really exciting mm. team, and then they got to the you know they got to the stage with that really thrilling team that went all the way and won the league, and and I suppose yeah, naturally we kind of are where we are now. They knew that they would take a step back again. They thought that this season would be obviously far better than it's turned out to be. They have made mistakes. Bringing Jardim back clearly has just clearly taken him back right in the right direction again. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, we always know with hindsight whether something is, has been a, a good decision or not. Thierry Henry, they needed, they needed to act. And clearly, from Henry's point of view, you know, ultimately, you can say it was the wrong thing for him to do to go to Monaco when he did. And from Jardim's point of view, to bring him back when they did has proven to be the, the right decision because they'll stay up. And I suppose we'll only see beyond this summer and into next season, whether it really is the right decision in the long term, if he can build another team that can compete towards the top of the table. Well, that's what he does.
0: That's what he does, and that's certainly what he will do again next season. They will sell their best elements. They will lose the players that are on loan. They will not re-sign the older players who are reaching the end. of. They've had problems with Subasic this year as well, on and off the pitch but as then, well.
1: But then, as you say, it's not just Jardim, it's the, it's the changes above that, Vadim Vasiliev moving exactly, on and, yeah. and new people coming in at that level of the club. So it's whether they can all work together and, and create a, a, a team, a first team that can, that can go and compete. When you look at the teams competing at the top this season, you say that you know, we're looking a bit too far ahead here, but Lille, you, you have no idea what's going to happen there next season. Marseille and had was always 38 points last season. Yeah, and, Escape and,
0: relegation on the final day, disastrous
1: campaign.
2: Exactly. Them now.
1: So, so it shows what can be done. And it also suggests that there will be room for Monaco next season to kick on and, 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 and do something again. And I think just quickly,
0: Matt, one point on Thierry Henry, because I know he's a man who, uh, dear to your heart. I don't <laughs> think people should be judging him, like you say, on what we saw from Thierry Henry here that people want to judge. Everyone's desperate to judge. There's so much money involved. Their p- passions run so high in football. That's why everyone loves it. That's why one of the reasons why we love it, apart from the game as well. But people want to judge Thierry and say, look, it's a disaster. We cut down the tall poppy. As you say, he arrived in a club. He was almost probably trying to do the club a service as well, do them a favour. Coming back, they were a club in desperate need. He was the prodigal son returning. All those injured players didn't have the squad come in. It, it's almost never going to work. And then taking a high profile side like that that have had a disastrous Champions League campaign as well and everyone looking going, Thierry, miracle, please. No, it doesn't work that way. And I'm sure people are not judged. people in the know he will get another job. He will not be judged maybe, on maybe. those three but months. People,
2: whoever people. whoever people are do, <laughs> Les anciens. they are judging him and they will judge him on that. And that's why I want to make the point that the team that Jardim has got at the moment is a different team to the one that, that Omri had. And I, I just want to say, um, it, it fills me with, uh, with pride when I hear Andy Scott raving enthusiastically about about Liga and about Monaco. When this chap came over to France, he was living in Spain before. He was working, I think, for, for Real, Real Madrid, Madrid, Madrid TV. TV yeah. And I remember a conversation yeah. I had with Andy saying, you know, this French football lark, I mean, is it, is it worth getting involved? You know, I, I only, he, he was a bit of a football snob. It was all Real Madrid and Barcelona. And now, the, you know, he's got the bug. And, and, and I love that. Completely, yeah. You know, the first
1: league on game I commentated Bordeaux against Grenoble in 2009. Things ah. have changed a lot since then, to be fair.
2: Mm. Bordeaux, Bordeaux against Champions. Grenoble. There's certainly Grenoble. no turning back once you've done a, a Bordeaux-Grenoble <laughs> game. We're going to move on to another big team. Uh, that is Lyon. Lyon had a, had a good weekend, actually, because they've been slipping uh, of late. But uh, they gave, they're, they're in third position and they managed to defeat Montpellier by three goals to one, three goals to two. Mm. Um, so they've closed the gap on Lille to four points so they need to try and finish above Lille to get automatic Champions League qualification perhaps more significantly they're now six ahead of, uh, ahead of Marseille you never quite know what to expect uh, with Lyon they, they gave it a good go I think it's fair to say against Barcelona but to got punished at the end Lionel Messi in sensational form because at, at mm. 2-1 Lyon were threatening to get that second goal and perhaps, perhaps knock Barcelona out it finished 5-1 I think it, it was
0: a bridge too far it was, a, it was a bridge too
2: far and uh, against Montpellier, uh, a team, I think it's fair to say that were, there were more in, in terms of their level, in terms of a team that, that, that they can be. But uh, like I say, Robbie, we never quite know what to expect with this, with this Leon side. And the question always comes back to Bruno Genesio. Is he getting the best out of them? What's your view on, on Leon's season so far?
0: Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I must be caught up in the, the, the atmosphere of the podcast and, and judging and, and giving opinions, something I normally hate doing. But I think Leon will overhaul Lil for second place. I think Lil, they've reached the end. Their, their wave is just running out of a, a, a bit of steam. I think they're, they're going to peter out. Steam, out. They don't have steam. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, what, what does a wave do when it starts to peter out? But, well, anyway, they've ridden their wave and now it's starting to peter out. I think Lyon are just the slow and steady. They know what happens at the business end of the season. I think, yeah, Andy, not, I've, no, gone just, I've gone it, out on a limb here. I've gone out on a You heard it here first. If
1: there's one thing that you, that you can't call Lyon, it's, it's steady. You know, I think they're, they're pretty unpredictable true, and will stay they that way. But they do have, I agree, they have but a quality they have the experience, to, to catch
0: Lyon. And they're, they're a big club. No matter what you say, and I think they—I I just see them coming back and doing the job here. Bruno Genesio, look, what can you what can you say about him? It's a it's a this is a repetitive story that's been happening for not just this season, but, but past seasons as well. Challenged by members of his own supporters who, who who don't like him, if there is something a question mark over him, it is this question of consistency because that's what you want from from a team, and the fact that they cannot always do it against the smaller clubs, that they, they don't seem to be fully focused, that they can beat Manchester City in Manchester and come unstuck in games at home against more modest opposition. That, for me, is a problem that the coach needs to address.
2: Well, Robbie, Bruno Genesio is, uh, is out of contract this summer. Jean-Michel Olas, the club president, has uh, basically uh, kept him guessing, kept the supporters guessing. He hasn't uh, stated yet as to whether Bruno Genesio will be kept on. We had the pleasure of speaking to Rafael Da Silva, the uh, Brazilian right-back who was uh, signed from Manchester United, and uh, Rafael is certainly very much of the opinion that Bruno Genesio is the right man.
3: We cannot blame the coach for everything, you know. Uh, this is important as well. I think uh, in, at this moment is the easiest guy to blame, you know. Uh, I know it's uh, his fault, or, well, like you said, we 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 play some fantastic match against fantastic teams. Against uh, we play against the one of one. Of, for me, is the best coach in the world. It's Guardiola, and uh, we just I I must say we tactically we just killed them away and at home. So it's uh, of course it's the players, but it's the coach as well. So you we have to we have to see that he's a very good coach, uh, tactically, and uh, you know it's just. He's just young as well. You can, you can say that he's improving every time. Well, it's interesting to hear a player
2: speaking with uh, such conviction ab- about his coach. Bruno Genesio is a, a Leon man through and through. He's come through the, uh, the ranks, if you like, as a coach. He was in charge of the, re- the youth team, in charge of the reserves. And uh, he, he is getting some sensationally good results. Leon took four points off Manchester City in the Champions League and uh, no Premier League side, by the way, this season has taken four points off Manchester City. They drew with Barcelona. Ultimately, they got um, turned over in the new Camp. That, that can happen. But uh, and did you think Jean-Michel Olas is playing with fire a little bit? Because we know that Bruno Genesio is working now with agents. A story has emerged very recently that Newcastle um, have Genesio in their uh, in their sights, should Rafael Benitez leave Newcastle? Is Olas taking a risk here? Um, no,
1: I don't think that he is. I think that Jean-Michel Olas is perfectly within his rights to wait and see. I think that Bruno Genesio um, has, on the whole, done a, a a very good job with Lyon. I think uh, he could do better, and I think that's why Jean-Michel Olas is thinking. Well, let's just wait here. Having said that, you know, I'm not sure. Who else would be out there that they could bring in and would necessarily do better? There's certainly no guarantees in that regard. You know, Genesio has done a pretty good job, but let's not forget that Lyon, you know, you talk about Marseille and PSG being big clubs, which they are. Uh, Lyon are a big club too, you know, and they've, they've moved into this new stadium. All the infrastructure seems to be in place. They've got great young players and they know that they can't keep these young players indefinitely. And therefore, there is obviously pressure to deliver something before they end up, you know, seeing this team break up. So, you know, the Cup is there potentially to be won this season. And I would say that, you know, this season could still finish with them missing out on a Champions League place, losing in the Cup semi-finals, and suddenly we'd say, well, it's not been a great season.
2: I just said they were going to finish second, Andy.
1: Well, they could all, I mean, the <laughs> what is interesting, is, Andy, also, what
2: is interesting, Jean-Michel Olas talking this week said, listen, we're still in with a shout of winning the Cup yeah. and we can finish in, in the top two or three. And he said, for me, winning the Cup is the priority. And that, you know, well, no, that, I found that interesting mm-hmm. because. Usually, a, a, you know, a president will say it's all about, you know, it's all about being in the Champions League, continuity, mm. finances. And the supporters will say, actually, we want trophies. So, yeah, you know, Jean-Michel absolutely. Olas is, is often very connected with the supporters. And it's interesting well, to hear him uh, say. Yeah, that.
1: of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been seven years since they won any silverware, which is a long time. I mean, when you think what they did in the last decade, obviously, seven years really is a long time when they won seven league titles in a row in the last decade. So, They need to win a trophy, but they also need to be in the Champions League. And, you know, the way the Champions League is now, if you finish third, it shouldn't matter too much. And certainly, if Lyon end up finishing third, I would fancy them to reach the group stage of the Champions League. Whereas if Lille finished third, I wouldn't be so sure. So I think for Lyon's point of view... It depends which Lille we see next year. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think from (laughs) Lyon's point of view, they do not I don't think they have to finish second. But I think they have to finish in the top three. They don't have to win the cup because PSG are in the draw as well. But I think
2: they need to get to the final. And just to finish on, on on Genesio, something that is quite amusing because we get issues with with translations and and what have you. And over the last year or so, poor old Bruno Genesio, who gets criticised and mocked even by by some uh, by some media's and notably one radio station, who started calling him Pep Genesio as a sort of ironic comment about his uh, tactical uh, capabilities or lack or lack of, and it was very funny when uh, Leon played Barcelona in the pre-match press conference, a Catalan journalist said, oh, we understand that your nickname in France is Pep. You must be uh, you know, very humbled and very, very happy about that. And Genesio gave, gave quite an amusing answer. But I wonder if, if uh, Pini Zahavi, his, his agent, is playing on that and selling, selling this uh, as part of his story. You can sign the man that we call Pep Genesio. It would be interesting to see him in England. I've no idea if he speaks English, but... Uh, that well, didn't I, think, stop I think one Claude thing Puel. about one thing
1: about Genezio <laughs> that is that well, it would Unai be, Emery. you know, it's it, it would be um, a big move for him to go to go manage in England. I mean, Newcastle United, um, you know, David Crossan from this parish would uh, would obviously know better than us, but they are not necessarily the most stable club, are they? And um, it would be a probably big... not
0: playing Champions League football next season. Well, of season course, well. yeah,
1: but you know, I'm not sure about you know when you think about Remy Gard a few years ago, uh, a Leon man who came through and coached the first team and did pretty well there and ended up at Aston Villa and things did not work out for him at all. And be wary of Albert Bruno Genesio of taking a step like that. Um, but, you know, he's always been a Leon man, as you said before. So for him to, to leave, to fly the nest and work somewhere else, is always going to be a gamble. I'm sure he's, I mean, I think he's, he's clearly good enough to do it. And as a coach, he wants challenges as well.
2: He
0: wants his career to go as far as it can as well.
2: And just, uh, I want to bring Raphael back in here, because uh, looking more sort of... Uh, Globally, let's say, at the Lyon situation. Um, back in the day when Remy Gard were, was in charge, it was very much about bringing through the kids and it was all about the academy, and Lyon have a fantastic academy. They then shifted the policy a little bit, where Jean Michel Olas decided that as well as bringing through kids, they could bring in players that had top level experience and they could go to top clubs, bring in a Rafael da Silva or a Memphis Depay from uh, from Manchester United, bring in Bertrand Traore from Chelsea. Uh, bring in Mariano Diaz from Real Madrid. Players who are at big clubs but not necessarily thriving and need and need a, another challenge. Now, Rafael feels uh, that, that Leon now, to take the next step, needs stability. They need to stop the chopping and changing. They need the players to stay on board and they need to build uh, a, a proper unit that can uh, evolve together.
3: I, I play at Manchester United uh, when you have his goals. Gary Neville, Giggs, uh, Fletcher, John O'Shea. Uh, West Brown, the guys who play like forever together, you know, that's help a lot. And uh, I think maybe that's that's the thing we we miss in Union because here is a different club. They they like to you know the former players to to go away and this stuff. Maybe maybe that's the case.
2: So going on what Raphael has has just said, and obviously his United experience is going to be uh, very much uh, uh, you know a strong memory for him. Um, that means. What Leon have to do? they have to keep Usamawa, they have to keep Ndombele, if possible they have to keep fekir and they could have their own uh, you know class class of ninety two i mean it, it's uh, it's a difficult challenge, but that is how United built their success isn't it
1: yeah I mean I mean obviously they're going to have to sell somebody because that's the way football works now at the top level, but the challenge will be keeping. One or two of these players, they
0: can't the afford to sell s- them all. might think that Raphael is just trying to uh, suggest that he should sign on again for, for a couple more seasons, perhaps. Yeah, but no. that's very cynical. And I'll tell
2: you what, Robbie, <laughs> Raphael recently uh, said in a press conference that he's, he's desperate to stay in Lyon because he's, he's enjoying it and his family are loving life at Lyon. Yeah. And I saw the reactions to that from Lyon fans. And uh, he is such a popular figure. I know he's not a starter at the moment. Leo Dubois is, uh, uh, has taken his place, but he is a proper team man. And at United, he remains a very, very much, uh, you know, a a much loved figure. Andy, Leon are not going to be the next Manchester United, but could they be the next Borussia Dortmund? Because Dortmund managed to do that. They managed to sell the, the odd big name and they managed to keep progressing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they have, you know, as I said before, they have all the infrastructure in place. They have the one of the most productive uh, youth academies anywhere in Europe uh, after, after the big two clubs in Spain. I think it is the most productive in terms of bringing through players who play for clubs in, in the big leagues in Europe. So the challenge for them is to, to keep on doing that. And then, as we said before, to keep some of the, the younger players for as long as possible, like Ousem Awar, keep them until they're, 23, 24, 25 rather than lose them when they're 20, 21 if they can do that if they can keep you know you said that Jean-Michel Olas wants to win the cup ahead of finishing in the top three but I just don't think it works like that anymore they have to be in the Champions League again next season have to try and get to the last 16 again two, three, four years in a row which for them unlike for PSG would be fine and then in 4, 5 years time start thinking about going further than that if they want to keep growing as a club If they win the cup and finish third do they still
0: choose Champions League football over going into the Europa League as cup winners? (laughs) They can, can't they? If they certainly, they could if they finish second, League. well, if, no, they would choose Champions League. If they finish second oh, and win the some. cup, they're obviously going into the Champions League. Third place, do they? Is there a choice involved,
2: Robbie? Yes. You are Jean-Michel Olas. Yeah. You have to sell one big name this summer: Endombele, Fekir, Memphis Depay, or Awa. Which one do you sell? I sell
0: Fekir. Just because question marks over that knee and probably i would i would sell him i'm not sh- oh man he's oh, also man. a world cup winner who you wouldn't give, sell you wouldn't sell memphis you to you're not, lot you're of not money. doing much Despite to build
1: them. up his price there are you but i think you're right because fakir is, is the is the oldest of these players isn't yeah. he so when he gets well. it's hard to believe that he's nearly 25 isn't he but when he gets to that age you think, well, okay, as I said before, you try and keep these players until they're 24. Awa oh, and oh,
2: They and have at least one or two more yeah, but what seasons. About, what yeah. about Memphis? You're seriously saying you'd keep Memphis and you'd sell Nabil Fekir? Well, I, think I
0: would keep Memphis above Nabil Fekir, yes.
1: I think they could sell them both. No, you need <laughs> no, some creativity. I th- I th- What But I, mean I think, but I could think
0: sell for them a long both time, I think time until be fine. we found a new position for Memphis Depay in the latter half of last season as a central striker, when uh, Mariano Diaz was, found himself on the bench. The two were playing the same position, and you couldn't play both of them at the same time. Look, they're similar players. Depay, perhaps, uh, physically for me, is a more powerful specimen. He's a fantastic athlete. He can, he can beat players from a standing start. He can run past players. He, technically, he's superb. He's like Fakir, but he's younger and stronger, so you keep Depay. And he is a player that, if you can convince him with a new contract, with uh, however, get inside his head... Convince him that this is the place for him to be, because that's all you have to do. Convince him that this is the place he needs to be. He's dreaming of of Real Madrid, uh, of whatever. You convince him this is
2: the place to be, and he will win you things. Depay is a player that can win matches. I've seen, I've seen Robbie out on the football pitch. He's he's, he's this sort of mercurial left footer, and I and I just think <laughs> you you've got something. Not the same you, power about yeah, but it's about the <laughs> Di Maria's and, and and the Depays. I can see that you, you see a like a like mind. Um, well, there you go. There you go. Robbie, um, Robbie is, he's not your typical Australian because they're more kind of gritty footballers, but Andy is definitely the typical <laughs> Scott. He, uh, he, puts, <laughs> he puts his foot in at every opportunity. But Andy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on and away from, from your eyes. skills, towards your skills as a commentator, let's say, because you were commentating Bordeaux against Wren uh, yesterday. It was Paulo Sousa's first game um, in charge of... Bordeaux, Bordeaux, like Monaco, have had a tumultuous season. They've uh, sacked Gustavo Poyet at the start of the season. They brought in Ricardo. He has now gone. They're onto their third coach, Paulo Sousa. It finished one-one against Rennes. How? How did you? Uh, how did you find Bordeaux? Well, Paulo
1: Sousa was very uh, positive after the game, which I suppose you'd expect him to be um, after his first match in charge, even though they. It was a 1-1 draw. They conceded a 90-second-minute equaliser scored by him by Neon, and actually Wren deserved the draw. But Paulo Souza said that we created lots of chances, that everything that they worked on, on the pitch in, in his first week in charge, he saw so out there on the pitch uh, the stuff that they'd done in training. I have to say that I wasn't massively impressed by Bordeaux. They played a three-man a 3 uh, defence. They were fairly comfortable. Wren didn't create too much, but you have to remember that Wren were obviously tired after the Europa League defeat against Arsenal, which was on Thursday evening, so they didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this game. Um, I just saw a Bordeaux team who, who didn't look especially ambitious. They tried to play their way out from the back. Sometimes it didn't quite work for them. I think Ottavio, the Brazilian in midfield, is a bit ponderous, a bit slow at this level. Maybe that's a bit unfair on him. Um, they have a front three, which on paper looks quite promising, with Depréville, uh, Jimmy Brion, the veteran, and especially Francois Camano, who got their goal but you know they didn't create much and they had
2: the two wing backs playing trying to get forward but again there the just wasn't a lot happening in the final third was there was there any sign of the uh, the youngsters they bought in in January because they're talented players Josh Madjer was signed from uh, from Sunderland he was enjoying a prolific time prolific season at Sunderland yes in Adley as well they've they've not made a big impact so far
1: no no sign of them uh, at all in the game Madjer was an unused substitute um you know i mean obviously as you said it's been a tumultuous season we talked about Thierry Henry before let's not forget the Bordeaux really wanted Thierry Henry to become their coach uh, back in August and they've since had all these changes at the club obviously the American owners coming in in the autumn uh, this was their opportunity to bring in their own man because previously when they appointed Ricardo Gomez it was just as the sale was um was was going through in the process of being completed so now they've got their own man in Paulo Sosa he's, in a, he's got an impressive pedigree he's well traveled he's clearly uh, you know a, a man with uh, lots of ideas you know this is only one game you can't judge him on it, but they're a club who, who, who need to make a lot of changes and uh, it's, it's, it's going They've to take been, a, long, yeah. a lot of
2: work for them to get to where they want to be. They've been drifting, haven't they, a little bit. Joe DeGrosso, the American who has who, who was come in. I have to say, Robbie, I was a bit, a bit concerned because one of the first statements I saw from him was that the, uh, the catering at the stadium isn't good enough. The burgers have got to be better. Don't worry, guys, we're going to sort it out. And you can imagine, I saw that on Twitter. Most of the fans were like, OK, that's great news, but could you sort out the football team first?
0: that's that's right but that's also a, a, a well I, I wasn't sure that it was an official account when i saw when i saw that uh, initial tweet apparently it is so he did he did uh, in fact because say because you've got to De get Grasso. people to
2: the stadium and at the moment exactly. you know, they're not even and they have a the big
0: stadium. and a big brand new stadium as well that for mine lacks a little bit of soul at the yeah. moment when you go there i've i've been there a, a few times in the last couple of years it's a, a stadium that needs to get those the the blue marine back the the fans their their supporter group it's a it's a club that's it's not a football town traditionally as well bordeaux it's that they've had great teams in the 80s champions in 2009 of course where the fans did get behind them but when things are going down the fans are not necessarily there not on huge numbers not to fill that stadium look that for me the club needs plenty of work can i just say a little thing on paulo souza because i, I remember uh, a little trivia fact: He's one of has got nothing players. to do. has got nothing, it's to, got do nothing Di Maria, to do with De Maria, yeah? or, or Di Maria. Uh, no, four players have won the Champions League back to back in consecutive seasons with two different clubs. Paulo Sousa is one of them, with Borussia Dortmund, and then Juventus next year. Mm. He was a good player. He was a very good player. There, are, there, are, there are three others, and I'll let you uh, try and think who they might be. Um,
2: mm. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll look for that. <laughs> By the way, if you want to try to answer, or if you just want to tell Robbie. Um, something else or ask him a question you can uh, write in league1podcast at gmail.com L-I-G-U-E that's the French spelling one podcast at gmail.com or hashtag league1podcast you can hashtag us at league1 underscore E-N-G on uh, on Twitter Answers
0: answers next week Answers uh... next
2: week and uh, next week we are also going to have an in-depth interview with Lebo Motiba who uh, is a South African striker doing very well with uh, with Strasbourg? He scored at the weekend again. Strasbourg drawing uh, 2-2 against Nîmes, and Strasbourg top scorer
0: for Strasbourg. He's top scorer for Strasbourg. They're,
2: they're they're back in the big time. This is a big football club. They won the French title back in the 1970s, and uh, it's quite exciting what is going on going on at the uh, at the Menos, one of the most atmospheric um, stadiums in uh, in Ligue 1. Our man Robbie Thompson. Had the pleasure of travelling to Strasbourg and uh, trying some sausages and sauerkraut, and uh, uh, and also he managed to squeeze in an interview with uh, with Lebo Moteba. And Robbie, you, uh, you 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 enjoyed your chat. I did. Fantastic young man.
0: Just he came in. He was asking, "Are we doing this in French?" When he found out uh, I was I was speaking in English, he was he was very happy. Look, honestly, everyone was saying. Lebo, you're going to see, he's just, the French say, he's un creme, c'est un creme, il est, il est vraiment trop gentil. He's a cream, yeah. He's a cream, he's, it just means that he's a lovely, <laughs> lovely guy. And it's true, he he just smiled the whole way through the interview, was just talking about how great life is, how, how much he's to be thankful for. You get the feeling that pressure is, is not a problem, it's something he doesn't feel. He's their second uh, most expensive ever signing after Chilivert, the the Paraguayan goalkeeper. Um, no pressure, though. Eight goals in the league now this season. He scored twice in the semi-final win in the Coupe de la Ligue over Bordeaux as well, a 3-2 win to fire them into this final. They are a big club. They've, had, they've done it so tough over the last decade when they were down playing the likes of Jura Sud and Shiltingham in regional football. They're back. And, uh, Matt, as you, as you heard, I asked him the big question as well about, about the one on everyone's lips. You are the only player that tucks <laughs> your shirt into your shorts. What? Why?
3: No, lovely. this, um, ever since I was young, I used to play with, you know, my shirt under my shorts, and, um, me, it's, um, the way I play, it's my own style, and that's how, um, um, I stay, uh, s- simple. For me, it's staying simple and uh, respecting what I'm, I'm doing and, uh, and I, I like, I like uh, putting uh, shorts under my uh, shorts. And that's my, my, my own uh, style.
2: Robbie, ever the professional, going straight to the, uh, to the big issues with Lebo Motiba. He is going to be playing in the Coupe de la Ligue final coming up at the end of the month. Strasbourg against Gangon. A massive game for, for those two clubs. Now, just to, to, to finish, uh, a quick word about Saint-Étienne, who got a fantastic 5-0 win at the weekend away to Caen. They are back in in contention for Europe. They are just one point behind Marseille. And uh, another team, just a point behind Marseille, another historical French team, Stade de Reims. We talked about Strasbourg being back in the big time. Reims, who were twice European Cup finalists back in the 50s and early 60s, six times champions of France. They, uh, they got a victory at the weekend, uh, Andy, and they are doing... Very, very well. Sorry, it was Robbie. Robbie, you you commentated, Russ. I was commentating that. They're enjoying their best season
0: in the top flight since they last won the league, which was back in 1963. They are a club that we should have expected something from them. I mentioned it last week. They broke all the records in the second division last year. They were the biggest attack in the history of the second division. 84 points. No one had ever had that many points in the second division either. David Guillon is doing remarkable things. And look, the week before... They, I think it finished 1-1 with Dijon where they absolutely dominated them and they, they failed to get the result. They got that result at the weekend, thoroughly deserved. Look, they've got so many neat and tidy players. That's what I really like about this Rennes side. They're not flamboyant. The goals are coming from Remy Houdin, who's a, a local product, who, who scored a fantastic goal again. But
2: it's just this, this thing. They're a small club and everything's clicking. But, Robbie, another local product is champagne because Rennes are the capital of the Champagne region. And when they had Raymond Copper and Jules Fontaine, they played Champagne football. Apparently, that is where the term comes from. Andy, are we going to see some Champagne? <laughs> We're seeing some nice football. We're some seeing solid some Well, listen,
1: the Corks will be popping if they get into the Europa League. That would be great, wouldn't it? But I think the thing about Rance is, you said they had this great team uh, last year. They scored lots of goals. Let's not forget they sold their uh, best striker to Ren, Jordan Seabattu, for a lot of money before the season. They've kind of slightly changed the way they play, now they're more about, uh, to my eyes, more about having a solid defence, it's mm-hmm. not exactly, exactly what you might call yeah. champagne football, but it's incredibly effective, 13 games unbeaten is incredible for a team that's come up from the second division like them, and for them to be where they are, you know, they're probably not going to qualify for Europe, but if they finish 6th, 7th, even 8th, that's... They might, Andy, they're brilliant. a point of 4th. Yeah, they, they, could, they could do it, and I guess it, you know, part, one of the things that could help them would be if Paris Saint-Germain win the cup as well as the league, and then it will will mean that 5th place will also be uh, a Europa League qualifying spot. so yes, yeah, it's possible
2: but I wouldn't say that it's likely it's fantastic hearing Andy Scott talking about Jordan Sibacher and Stad de Rance with such passion such enthusiasm I never <laughs> thought I would see the day but this is the place you can hear us talking with, uh, with passion and uh, hopefully a bit of insight depends on, on the guests at times that concludes our podcast Le Bourger is finished for today for episode 3 we hope you've enjoyed it and we hope you will tune in again to our uh, Coupe de la Ligue special where we will be hearing, notably from Lebo Motiba, the Strasbourg striker, from uh, Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott and myself, Matt Spiro. It's time to say au revoir et bientôt. See you again soon. See See you soon. Oh,
1: what a goal! Killian Mbappé wraps it up.